welcome to the SAP HCM Insights Podcast with uh, Steve Bogner, Brandon Toombs, Becky Murray. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. And uh, Sven wasn't able to join us today. He's, um, I believe, taking a holiday somewhere, wilderness, uh, nice. where he can't access um, some technology to help us talk about technology. So good for him. Um, good for yeah, good for him. So we're talking about success factors release management this podcast. And, you know, when I say release management, I think it's important to define that, right? Because people have different sort of versions of what that is. And, and to me, it's deciding what new functionality enable. It's testing it, making sure that you promote it through your different landscapes correctly, whatever those landscapes are. Making sure you update policies, procedures, communications, anything that impacts the employee, and then going live with it. Um, and so that's not a small feat. Right, that's a um, pretty big deal. And I was just thinking before this podcast got to remember when we had quarterly releases and uh, you know, it, people really, I mean, it was really challenging to stay on top of that, right? Because this is complicated software. You don't just put in the next version, flip a switch and you're good to go um, because things change. Um, sometimes as planned and sometimes not as planned. Um, so, uh, you know, I think it was great that SAP went down to twice yearly releases. Uh, it's a good thing. Um, and it's, you know, better than what a lot of customers did prior to success factors. So, um, anyway, so I think we want to talk about, uh, first of all, sort of an overview of what this process looks like. And, Becky, I think you have some good information that comes from the, the customer portal about release management and changes and, and getting all these things. Know, tackling all these things twice a year and, and them to production. So what do you have? Well, I'll, I'll start us off. Um, and as you mentioned, I do like to reference first the customer community because there's an entire section in that customer community dedicated to product release um, timelines, information, forums, um, advisory groups, all that good sorts of stuff. So I like to always start there. Um, within that customer community, you get a preview of what's coming, um, when it's coming, when it will be applied to different environments. We'll talk about that in, in just a little bit. Um, but some of the materials there to help support you include um, a road to readiness guide, which is a PDF document for system administrators. It comes out every release um, a few weeks in advance. It covers things like the dates, what's happening when. Um, what types of features will be released. Um, there's a very handy administrator checklist in that document um, for things that you should do, you know, in what order in terms of, um, you know, preparing your system and then um, enabling things in your system. Um, and then finally, there's a link within that site as well to sign up for the SAP Success Factors release newsletter. Um, so you can actually subscribe to um, a newsletter that comes out periodically that highlights um, new releases, information about the content of that release, and of course the timelines and things like that. Um, so you can be you know actively notified of what's coming in one. So that's kind of my little spiel for the customer community. There's a lot of great materials and references and documentation and things to kind of help you get started there. So after you listen to this podcast, if you're not quite sure where to start or what to do, I recommend going um, to the customer community, 
right in the top left-hand corner under products, the very first option there is product release and roadmap. Um, and then down under resources is where you can get to, you know, the road to release document I mentioned and subscribe to the newsletter I mentioned as well. Yeah, that's a good start. Um, it's a good sort of high, high level overview to the process, right? So, um, you know, all of these changes come, I don't know how many weeks before we go live, they come into a preview instance. And so um, that's kind of where this starts, right? Is to for customers to go into that preview, um, determine, you know, what they like and what changes. Uh, you know, I think it's, it's can be overwhelming sometimes, right? Especially the more, get into your successful landscape um, it takes effort to do these things and if you really want to get the most out of this software you really have to invest in um, effort into release management and I think you know that's also it's it's in addition to understanding the new things coming it's how do I test it how thoroughly do I test it what do I need to do to be comfortable to take it live including you know updating everything else um, and that all takes effort, and the, the more effort you put into that, the more surprises you'll have, right? But the more effort you put into that, the less effort you have for your ongoing activities for enhancing the system, rolling out new things. So, you know, I get questions from people a lot about how much effort do I put into testing? And you know, my focus is on payroll, and, and so they're, they're like, well, how how much should I test payroll? Um, and you know, it's 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 a tough question. Um, you need to test it well enough so that you're comfortable going live with it. And so, you know, if you have one country and, and it's pretty simple, then sometimes that's not, you know, a lot of effort. But you, know, you multiply that by the number of countries you're in, number of payroll partners you have, um, and it can be get relocated really fast. So, um, you know. I, I advise people to have this list of scenarios. I think this applies to the PC side and the success factors mm -hmm. side, everything in general, right? To have a, a set of canned sort of scenarios that you go through to test things that you know are important to you. And I, to me, it's I don't focus so much on standard delivered functions. I, I tend to put more focus on these things that you've customized. Right, so if you if you've gone into a certain area of the system and customized it heavily, then I think that needs more testing, right? Because it's going to be more sensitive to any changes coming from SAP success factors. Um, and, and you know, for payroll, it's you know it, the scenarios. Some of those you know you want to be integrated with Employee Central, and others you don't. It doesn't matter, right? So if I'm doing an off-cycle check, it doesn't really matter on the integration front. Central so much, but uh, other things would. So this, this this got me to thinking about landscapes, right? So when we have landscapes, and Becky talked about, you know, some people have two, some people have a three tier, and even more complicated than that. Um, but I guess you know what what advice do we have for people on landscapes? What are the things that you think that need to be considered when you start talking about releasing the different landscapes? Yeah, you know, one of the things um, that we sometimes encounter working with some legacy customers is that they're not aware of their landscape, how many systems, you know, they currently have to work with. Um, depending on when you've implemented, um, what modules you own, 
and um, when you've renewed various different things, you could have anywhere from one to two to three or more than three um, instances. And an instance is an environment where you do work. Most of us work day to day in the production. Most of us are aware that we have some sort of test or QA environment. Um, most customers who run Employee Central have a third environment. Um, you know, they may be called different things, a development, a test QA, and then a production. Uh, and some customers, larger customers, customers with payroll and some other different pieces may even have a fourth or fifth um, environment, just depending on how their contracts were written and what they felt their needs at the time were. If you're a customer that's only working in your one instance, um, it may behoove you to ask around either SAP or your implementation partner to find what other instances you actually have. I, I find that some legacy customers never got introduced to their QA environment or to a dev environment. They were just kind of put into production and handed the system. Um, or if you are a very long-term legacy customer, just on some talent pieces, um, you may only have had one instance if you were part of the SMB packages early, early on. Um, but through the course of renewals and some changes to licensing structure, you've probably been given a second instance, possibly a third, but definitely a second. Um, and it may not have been brought to your attention. So that's something that you can ask your SAP associate about or an implementation partner can help you kind of track that down. Brandon, you were probably going to get into like the progression of uh, turning things on and off or implementing or activating okay. releases uh, through the landscape. And I'm sorry that I put you off there. No, uh, wow, there's, there's, we've been over a lot uh, already, haven't we? Uh, we we uh, started <laughs> talking about the release management and then, um, then you get into the system landscape. I don't, I'm, I mean, there's such a buffet here. It's, it's hard to know uh, where to start. I, I do want to, let me let me first start uh, a little bit with the release management. I I mean I I think we've covered that in in uh, the the two the two key highlights that I would want to make sure that we that we cover. Number one, make sure that you go to the release management uh, section of the community uh, as as early uh, uh, you know and make sure that you're aware of when those things are coming out. That uh, I, I do want to brag on success factors. I think they've gotten so much better over the last few releases as far as making sure that we have the uh, you know documentation. I mean, that team viewer comes out and then at the same time you start getting updated uh, help guides um, and they will also put out some test scripts as you know, as Becky's already mentioned a lot of this, but you know, they, this, is, this whole process has gotten a heck of a lot better than it used to be and, and you have a lot more confidence in it. Um, so that's uh, you know, the only, the only uh, and then of course the other thing that's uh, really important is to make sure that you have those re uh, regression test scripts as, as, as Steve said. Um, you want to think of those ahead of time. Just um, in addition to, you know, I, I agree with Steve as far as like the custom stuff, you know, really putting a special emphasis on that, but also just having some of your mainline uh, stuff that you're going to do. Just go, uh, just take your system uh, kind of through the paces, have that process all in, in place. Now, the one little uh, nuance I would recommend, and, and this is top of mind after this last week because this, uh, this came up, um, I would wait about a week uh, after the uh, release is put into the preview instance uh, before you start those regression test scripts. And the reason is, is there may be a couple of bugs, um, in which, which of course is common. That's the whole point of putting things out for preview. Um, and usually those things are going to get worked out in the first week. And that leaves you still with three weeks of regression test time. So I would suggest definitely 
um, go through, wait a, wait a week, and then start your regression testing. So that's that's one little uh, um, caveat I would I would kind of throw in there is to make sure that you uh, wait a little while before you start that uh, uh, before you start that process. Yeah. So Brandon, you mentioned waiting a week, right? And then you know let let some of those initial bugs get worked out, and then you'd have three weeks to test before they go live. I think that can be pretty intimidating for some companies, right? Because how do I get all of my testing done in those three weeks? It can be pretty challenging. And I think that you know the bigger, the more complex you are, the bigger of an effort that becomes, the more daunting it, it becomes. And it's my my bottom line though is when you're in uh, an environment like this, in a cloud environment that changes like this, you have to get good at adapting to change. Yep. So you have to get good at your testing process. You have to become more nimble maybe than you were before. Um, this comes around twice a year, which means you get to do it two times a year. So every time you should be getting better at it, right? And it's, it's like I tell people with payroll, if you have a weekly payroll, the bad thing is you have to run it every week. But the good thing is you do it so often that you get really good at it. And the thing with these uh, updates from success factors is my my advice, my preference for customers is to apply them twice a year. But you know, you have to put effort into that testing and change management effort, and also you know, uh, evaluating what options you're going to turn on. Right? If you sign up for the cloud, you sign up for some innovation. Right? This is the other side of innovation that is going to get delivered to you on a pretty frequent basis. And so, my advice is to get good at it. But you know, if Brandon, Becky, if someone wanted to just say, well, I'm just going to sort of skip one release. I'll just do the year-end release because that's what I need to make sure I'm compliant for payroll and for all the other stuff for the next year. I mean, is that something that can be done? Is that something, you know, what are the trade-offs doing that? Well, um, Steve, one thing that is different uh, from your world on the payroll side versus the uh, success factor side is uh, with a cloud multi-tenant uh, system, uh, as far as the actual uh, releases themselves, uh, you, you don't have a choice. Those come in uh, twice a year, no matter what. This is uh, one of the um, features or bugs, depending on what you want. And, and, and honestly, it is a feature. The feature is you don't have to worry about keeping your system up to date. Uh, the system is going to get the, uh, get the code applied to it, no matter what. Um, which keeps everything much more maintainable. They they don't have to worry about, well, what version are you on? Uh, everything is going to be uh, in lockstep. And so that does make the process a lot easier uh, from a maintenance standpoint. But it does mean that you have a, you have to have a commitment uh, twice a year to at least um, uh, make, uh, uh, you know, evaluate the changes that are universal. So, uh, you know, we've kind of danced around this, but I'll, I'll kind of define this. Uh, there are uh, universal changes and opt-in changes. And so, um, uh, as the names imply, uh, universal changes, these are the things that are going to happen no matter what. And, uh, of course, the big one in this current release is the uh, homepage. The homepage is, get, is getting updated no matter what. Uh, so, you're, uh, this has been uh, announced uh, a long time ago uh, that this was coming. And so, it shouldn't be a surprise, but th this is something that has to be, uh, you know, you have to uh, adapt to it right now. Um, as opposed to opt-in changes. And there are some, uh, certainly some opt-in changes. Um, most customers um, I've worked with uh, really like to think of, okay, let's get the universal stuff in during this uh, regression test phase and just focus on that. And then you can go, uh, you know, sometime when the dust settles, 
you can look at those opt-in changes, evaluate them, and potentially put those in later. That's usually um, what I see is that they're they're just going to wait a little while on those on those opt-in things. So uh, I don't know, uh, Becky, if you've noticed anything different um, uh, from that, where uh, you know you do universals during the during this release period, um, and then the opt-ins later, or uh, what have you seen? That's right, that, and that's usually my recommendation as well because those universal updates when they get applied to your system, they'll be applied in an active fashion. So as Brandon said, they are hitting and they are active um, and they will hit and be active according to those release timelines. Um, whereas your other pieces, your opt-in pieces, while the code will be applied to your environment, you still need to activate or enable it. Um, and you don't have to do that by the, the application timeline, the release timeline. If you need an extra month or two months or you only want to do that you know, twice, once a year, all together, both releases at the same time, you can do that as well. One thing I'll caution you about, though, um, is, is falling behind or letting it lapse so much that you lose some of the features and functionality of the solution. Um, oftentimes, we'll come and we'll do a system demonstration for legacy customers, people who've been running for a while, and they'll say, oh, we don't have that. We don't have that. Um, and you think yeah. to yourself, well, you do have that. It's it's part of your environment. You just don't have it activated. So at some point, you know, either you chose not to activate something, or you just fell behind with some of the releases, um, uh, which which happens. Of course, we all get busy. But then, um, you know, I'd hate for people to be missing out on functionality that they have a use for just because they haven't applied some of these releases. So. Um, as Brandon said, you know, keep up with those universal ones and then maybe make a plan for some of these opt-in uh, features as well. Yeah, that's great advice, guys. And right, it, it is a little different between payroll and the um, EC or success factor side of things. Um, one of those areas that's different too is um, in the payroll world, not everything that changes is sort of documented in the release. There's an awful lot that, not as much as it used to, but still there's quite a bit of new stuff that comes out for payroll and some of it's country specific, some of it's global in nature. That just comes out in a note. SAP says, hey, here's this new stuff. And it, in, unless you're reviewing the notes, <laughs> they'll be hard pressed to come, come across it. So, um, you know, I think in addition to reviewing everything Becky and Brandon mentioned, um, you know, with Thanks to you know universal changes and opt-in changes. Um, if you're doing EC payroll or you still have your payroll on-prem, you'll understand that you've got to go sort of look for those things and make sure that you understand them. And and again, if, you know you'll have to do that for each country. There's no way you can just do a simple search for all countries and say, okay, well, I guess you could search for all countries, but that's a lot. Um, so it's really important to keep your global team um, involved in this too. I guess that's something else I'd like to mention because I work mostly with global clients. Um, you want to make sure that you have, at least on a regional basis, um, people from different regions in the world having some eyes on this process to make sure that um, if there's something that is country-specific affecting them, that they know about it and they don't get surprised. Because I, I think the goal with this is um, no surprises, right? Uh, and it takes effort to achieve that so that when you go and take this into production, um, there's no surprises. Everything that should work works. All the new things that you expect are there. They're documented, communicated in 
always have been updated. And that doesn't just happen. And I don't think that that's, that's, that's not a SAP success factor. That's just a software thing. When you have software this complex and it's being released and it's being updated, maintained, enhanced, um, this is just you know, part of the part of the ride having complex organization and complex software. So it takes effort. And I think, you know, when you put effort into it, you get some value back out of it. So that's my, that's my advice for people. So Steve, uh, one area that I, I do want to put a little bit of emphasis on is interfaces. Um, we talked about regression test scripts, and I do think that interfaces in particular should be a must have on your interface. I mean, excuse me, on your regression test. Uh, 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 strategy, uh, because uh, I, I mo more often than anything else that uh, we come across, I I get customers calling me like, well, well, this interface is broken. What what happened? Um, and you know, normally the uh, those calls are coming after uh, the releases in production. Um, and all it takes is kicking off uh, for those outbound interfaces. Normally, what you can do is uh, you can you can kick those off and just make sure that everything works okay. Um, you may not have a vendor that allows you to, uh, that, that can accept those, but at least you can go through the, the motions and making sure that there's no uh, errors that are coming out from that. And now for your inbound ones, I would definitely recommend having some sort of script or something available to, to you for sure so that you can run those inbounds uh, into your system to make sure that uh, anything, that's, uh, anything that uh, uh, you're relying on to be fed into your system, those for sure I would want to be uh, making sure that we're testing in, as part of that regression test period. And then also uh, when we're talking about integrations, the, uh, of course, the big one for uh, core hybrid and ECP customers would be the replication and just making sure that you are able to hire somebody and then replicate them down uh, to your uh, SAP environment. That should definitely be part of your regression test. Right. Yeah, that's a great point, Brandon. You don't have to be really, really detailed about every interface because not every interface is complicated and as important right. as the others. And I, I just think, you know, the more complex you are with interfaces, the more effort you need to put into that because you don't want those things to break and it's a big deal. So I think that, you know, this sort of wraps it up. Uh, I think we've touched on a lot of different areas. Um, some of these areas, guys, we could have a whole podcast on. Um, on you know, we could go into a lot of deep detail on it, but I think, you know, the the overall advice here, like, you know, Becky, you started with, you know, the information from success factors uh, is going to give you some, some good structure and a good framework for starting the testing. And from there, go in and customize your approach the way you need to, and, and certainly encourage people to do that. So, um, you know, if, if people have additional questions or feedback on, on podcasts and what we've uh, sort of lathered on about here for a while, then find us. Um, if you have suggestions for future episodes, let us know that too. So appreciate it, guys. Um, it's been a good conversation as always. Thanks, Steve. Thank you.